0: I do have to give fair warning, as this episode will be one of those darker and heavier episodes. We will be exploring deeply the topic of death. So if you're sensitive to that subject, as much as I would like you to stay, to hear perhaps a different perspective on death, then I suggest you maybe skip this episode. With that being said, let's move on to our topic. La Santísima Muerte. In English, it's known as Saint Death or Holy Death. You know, after a few years of immersing myself and researching and diving into these heavier and darker topics. I am grateful that I am able to research them and approach them with love instead of fear. But I have reached a point in my life to where all of these topics are so normal and natural to me that I easily forget how to the average person these topics are still very much taboo. It's not considered quote-unquote normal to have conversations regarding death, even though dying is as natural as people being born. And La Santa Muerte, the Holy Death, is to the majority an extremely taboo topic. So much so, that the mere mention of her name produces silence, respect, and fear. She is death personified and is known to have a feminine, motherly energy. And to understand why they anthropomorphize death into a female entity, we'll have to look into her origin story. La Santa Muerte is a Mexican folk saint, meaning she's not recognized as a saint by the Catholic Church. But it is believed that she was first mentioned around the late 1700s. She's actually a combination between the Aztec goddess of the underworld known as Mictlán who is said to watch over the bones of the dead and is depicted as a body without the flesh. Mictlán ruled over the Aztec underworld known as Mictlán. It was believed that the dead would go on a four-year journey through the nine hells of Aztec mythology, until they finally reached Mictlán, and once there, their souls found rest. Mictlán Zívatl wasn't a goddess that the Aztecs feared, but rather they acknowledged that she, along with her husband, Mictlantecutli ruled the underworld and presided over their festivals in honor of the dead. So just a little side note, the festivals that you see being done today, on November 1st and 2nd, in Mexico and much of Latin America, known to many as the Day of the Dead, well, it owes its origin to ancient Aztec mythology. Now. Our Lady of Holy Death is also a mixture between the Spanish version of the Green Reaper, known as La Parca. And La Parca got its name from Roman mythology, the Parcae, who were the three sisters of fate. And they directed the lives of humans and gods. They didn't get to control a person's actions. They only controlled when a person would be born, how long a person would live and suffer, and when they would die. Here is where we see another form of Trinity. So the first sister, known as Nona, spun the thread of life from her staff onto her spindle. The second sister, known as Decima, measured the thread of life with her rod. And lastly, the third sister, known as Morta, cut the thread of life and chose the way a person would die. Person and or God. Now, that just goes to show you how powerful death is. It's as powerful as life. Now when the Spanish conquered the Aztecs, a mixture of the Aztec goddess Mictlancíhuatl and the Spanish grim reaper La Barca influenced and created what we now know as La Santa Muerte. Which is why when you pull up her image, you will see her being depicted as a skeleton figure with a mantle, but it has to be clearly understood that she is not to be confused with La Catrina, which can translate to the dapper skeleton, or the elegant skull, and who is now a symbol for the Day of the Dead holiday. Because when you pull up that image, you'll get a female skeleton who is dressed with a fancy hat and fancy dress. But this image was originally created in the early 1900s by an artist named José Guadalupe Posada. And initially, it was just a skull head with a hat, because the hat symbolized status, as only the wealthy wore hats. But the image was used to symbolize the artist's perception that, Regardless of your social or class status, death comes for us all. Now, the reason La Santa Muerte is personified as a female entity is because, one, the word Muerte in Spanish is a feminine noun. You don't say El Muerte, you say La muerte, so it gives those implications that death is female. The second reason is that it is believed that the cosmos are a womb, the cosmic womb. This is where we come from, this is where we reside before we're born and take up this physical body. We come from the cosmic womb, these cosmic dark waters, just as a baby is formed in darkness in its mother's womb, just as a seed is planted and then sprouts from the darkness and the dark soil, just as thoughts and dreams. Are created when we close our eyes and are in darkness. When we die, we come back to that cosmic womb. We come back home and most of the people who venerate her don't fear her because they understand this. You see, Santa Muerte has two parts to it. Santa, which translates to saint, which can be interpreted to take on that motherly aspect of her. That life aspect. That creation aspect of her. And muerte, which translates to death. It's an ending of a cycle. And just like in her name, she too has a dual aspect to her, that the people have given to her, of course. But let's start with the Catholic lens versus the folk lens. So we have already established that the Catholic Church does not acknowledge her as a saint. In fact, they do quite the opposite with her. They demonize her and imply that she's satanic. And unfortunately, because of this, and because she's associated with the Mexican cartels, she has had negative connotations tied to her. But if you look at her through the Catholic lens, although the church doesn't acknowledge her as a saint, to millions of Catholics, she is one. And in order to work with her, You have to ask God for permission, like St. Jude and many other saints. She is venerated by many Catholics. In the religion of Catholicism, the veneration of saints can be somewhat confusing, because to many, they'll believe that Catholics worship saints. They don't worship saints, they worship God but they venerate saints. So, why do Catholics pray to saints? Well, I suppose you could say it starts with the Virgin Mary, because she made it possible for God to take form as Jesus Christ. So, she is the bridge between the divine and man. And that bridge can be crossed when you have faith in her Son, So Catholics pray to God through saints and they act as interceptors between man and God. And different saints have different areas of expertise, such as St. Jude, for example. He is the saint of lost causes. St. Joseph can help you out with employment and so on. And Our Lady of Holy Death... well. She can help out with a lot of things, such as protection, love, prosperity. But regardless of whether you pray to St. Jude, the Virgin Mary, or La Santa Muerte, there's always an exchange. There's always a tit-for-tat, a pact made between you and that specific saint, you can pray to the Virgin Mary and ask her to help you get that job. You know, please Virgin Mary, if you help me get this job, I will go and buy you 10 candles and light them in your name or I will go to mass five weeks in a row in your dedication. I will donate a big part of my first check to this church, regardless of what it is you're offering. You're bargaining with them. You're making a pact with them. And you're stipulating all the terms before the action. So, the same can be done with Santa Muerte. There are a few differences, though. With Santa Muerte, you can ask her for Pretty much anything. There is no moral compass with her, and she won't judge you. You can ask her for protection, and or you can ask her to destroy your enemies. In exchange for something, of course. What that something is, well, that's between you and her, however, if you don't meet your end of the bargain. She is known to take that something back, or someone, away from you. But that's only if you don't meet your end of the bargain. Now, with the Virgin Mary, you can't really go ask her to destroy your enemies. Because there are morals she has to uphold. And through the Catholic's God, there is judgment and a level of rejection that happens. Now, when you look at Santa Muerte through the folk lens, you acknowledge that death exists everywhere, including in your own body right now. From the moment you were born to present time right now, your body has died multiple times. Take a look at your cells. They die and regenerate every 30 days or so. As a matter of fact, you are living and dying at the very same time right now. One more day or one less day, it's about perception. From the moment you came to life, death has always been there with you. She is a part of you and walks with you. As previously stated, there are some negative connotations tied to her. So let's explore that side, and why that is. One, we've already established she's rejected by the Catholic Church. But another more recent reason is that she is associated with the Mexican cartels and is regarded as a narco saint. Now, because she doesn't have moral standards that she needs to abide by, and because she doesn't judge, many of her devotees were known to be people who were marginalized by society, outcast, such as prostitutes, thieves, the poor, people from the LGBTQ community. They weren't accepted by the Catholic Church and they still aren't. Sometimes people need that spiritual connection to a certain deity. And La Santa Muerte has always been there. Some of her devotees today include people with dangerous jobs, people who work the night shift, like taxi drivers. I suppose Uber and Lyft drivers now. Police officers. Correction officers. Border patrol officers. Social workers. In fact, she's also recognized as the matron saint of the Mexican penal system because both prisoners and guards are known to be devotees of her. And it's no surprise. Because if you've ever been to Mexico, you'll notice that The lifestyle is completely different from the U.S. Here in the U.S., when we wake up, every day there are certain expectations. We get up, we go to work. On a certain day, we get paid. But when you live day to day, like so many do in Mexico, not knowing when your next meal might be, or not knowing if you're gonna make enough money to pay your rent. It's easy to give in and join the corruption and expose yourself to dangerous situations for a few cents. But people who venerate her today differ in the sense that they embrace death. They welcome death. They don't resist it. They don't fight it, but rather, they've made peace with death and they've accepted that one day it will be their turn, that's the one certainty. They no longer fear death and they have become hyper aware that many of us take life for granted because we easily forget that any day could be our last here on this earth, and we don't exactly live our lives to the fullest. And there are so many distractions with work and or television. And we have even been taught and conditioned to fear death and to reject it. Think about it. What's the main reason that people get plastic surgery done? It's to look younger. Because youth is universal beauty, youth is life, and aging is associated with death. Death is very natural, but many cultures choose to hide it. When's the last time you saw an actual dead body? Chances are that unless you work in the medical field, you probably haven't. Because it's taboo to see one. Have you thought about your own death? And whether or not you'd want to be buried or cremated? There's a Latin phrase that I came across when researching this topic. And that phrase is that of memento mori, which translates to remember death. And along with this phrase, some practice reflecting on a skull because it reminds us of our own mortality, and it leads us to remember to live, to make the best of our time here, and to carpe diem, to seize the day. Death is humbling, I'm telling you guys. The first time I meditated on death, it had very heavy energy. and. It was extremely uncomfortable and completely intimidating. If you choose to explore this path, you must do so with an open mind, with love in your heart, and a great deal of respect. La Santa Muerte does test you. At least in my experience, she did. To do this episode, I have spent quite a few weeks researching her. And when I felt ready to take the next step, I took a baby step and decided to simply meditate on her. I asked for a sign. A sign that would confirm She has heard me, and was present. Well, the very next day, on my doorstep, I found a large, dark gray, dead moth. I've seen smaller size moths, but I had never seen an actual large moth before. Naturally, I immediately remembered my meditation of the night before. I will admit, I was a little taken aback. And one of the first things I did was reach for my phone and Google what is the spiritual meaning of a dead moth? And of course, the first answers that came up were it's a bad omen, it means someone near you is going to die, all of these other negative things. And that kind of scared me a little. But luckily, I became aware that I was having those emotions and decided to take a deep breath and pause. Was this the impression that I first got? Was this the emotion that I first felt? No, it wasn't, and that's when I realized I can't depend on the internet to tell me the spiritual meaning of a sign I had asked for. This is something I had to interpret intuitively. Initially, I saw this as a gift, as both a gift and a confirmation that she had given me, and in a way, a test, was I really ready to be working with the death current, or would I turn my back on her at the very first sign of her presence? So I took a couple of seconds to evoke that emotion of love and gave her a heartfelt thank you. I scooped up the moth and buried it. Ironically enough, death is alive through La Santa Muerte. So let's go over some of her epithets. La flaquita, which translates to the skinny one. Señora de las sombras, which means Lady of the Shadows and La Huesuda, which translates to the bony one. She has a few other nicknames, but those are just some of the popular ones. Traditionally, you'll either see her in her red, black, and or white mantle. Black is said to symbolize, again, that cosmic womb where creation takes place along with death, and is the color she will present herself in to those who are barely starting out working with her. Red is said to symbolize blood, our life force. It's also said to be associated with the heart, as we all have bleeding hearts. Today, however, people like to interpret that as having to do with matters of love, passion, and lust, and white symbolizes purity and healing. But the most modern version of her, you can now find her with all seven colors, and that's because she can help out with many matters. Protection, blessings, love, but also justice and legal matters, abundance and prosperity, health, communication, and much more. And the colors are really more for us, again, to help us get into that right mind frame. Because green, for example, here in the US is associated with money, but In Mexico, for example, their bills, they're not all green. Some are blue, some are red. But gold, on the other hand, can symbolize prosperity. Because going back to ancient times, gold has always been associated with the sun and with the harvest. It's the color of wheat, of abundance, Also, let's talk about some of the symbols that she is associated with. For example, the globe. When you pull up images of her, you might see her holding the world, and this one is pretty obvious because it is said to represent her dominion over the entire world. She is also associated with the hourglass, which can serve as a reminder that our time is running out, and also because you can flip the hourglass again to restart time, it symbolizes the end of a cycle and the beginning of a new one. Death is only the beginning. She is also associated with owls, and from one of our previous episodes, you might remember that owls, in many mythologies, Are known to be travelers. They are known to travel through different dimensions, including the underworld. So, owls have gotten a bit of a reputation for being the harbingers of death. As a matter of fact, there is a Spanish phrase that says when the owl screeches, the Indian dies. So, those are the most common symbols that you will see her associated with. But guys, there is still so much to tell and talk about her. Such as her offerings. What does she like? Well, one thing you can offer her are red apples. And just very quickly, this does remind me of another confirmation I got from her. I started watching a Netflix series called The Sandman. It's pretty new on there. If you've already seen it, let me know. I would love to have a discussion on that show. They go over so many of the topics I have already talked about, but in one specific episode, They talk about death, and I have to say, I really enjoyed their version and their interpretation of death. But I couldn't help but notice that their inspiration was La Santa Muerte. Another one of La Santa Muerte's epithets is La Negra which translates to the black lady, and the actress who plays her in the Netflix series happens to be black and dresses in all black, and she is also wearing an Ankh necklace, which symbolizes eternal life and is the key of life. And there's a scene where she is going to purchase apples at like some sort of farmer's market, and the guy, instead of ringing her up, tells her, no, 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 it's a gift for you. So those were little clues that I found in that episode that I thought were accurate with La Santa Muerte. And I loved that they interpreted her as a very fair, very just, and caring entity. Well, like I said, there's still quite a few other things that we would need to go over, but I think I'll save it for a part two. So if you enjoyed this episode and if you've liked this episode, and if you want to know a little bit more about La Santa Muerte, let me know. You can email me at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com, and or you can friend me on Instagram at lauralavender.mb, and you can message me through there as well. Also, don't forget to check out our website at www.mysteriesbeyond.com. And lastly, if you have any questions, or if there are any comments, or if there's simply anything that you just feel like sharing, well, you know where to reach me at. Thank you so much for listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I'll see you guys next episode.